All right. So we'll pass that around, and uh, thank you, Brandon, again. If you'll open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 12. Uh, actually, grab Genesis 12 in your left hand. I want you to get Romans 9 in your right hand. I'm used to preaching with two hands, so this is going to be really restrictive this morning, but, but we'll work through it. Romans chapter 9. We, we actually are our second week in the, in the book of uh, Romans or chapter 9. We, we're starting a series this morning called God's Calling and Election. And last week we introduced Romans chapter 9 with Paul's burden for the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Romans 9 verse 1, he says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart. For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Paul had a burden to see the, the, the nation of Israel, the Jews, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's a great sign of a good minister, that he has a burden for the lost. For those that are, that are of his kinsmen of the flesh, for those that are in the city and the community that he lives, listen, you ought to have a burden for those that don't know Christ and pray continually and have a continual heaviness and sorrow that God would bring them to repentance. I appreciate what Brandon said, man. It took months and months and months of prayer and, and, and God opening the door to, to share and to talk about the Word of God before one of these guys came to Christ. And another one has not yet come to Christ, but through prayer and, and, and investing the Word of God in his life, God's going to open his eyes to who Christ is, and he'll have the opportunity to make the choice to receive Christ. Guys, listen, it starts with a burden. It starts with a burden. We have to have a burden. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in verse... Uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 6, and we may not get through with the notes this morning. The good thing about that is that we always have next week. Amen? Amen. And so if you'll pick it up in verse 6, I want to continue on in this passage because Paul is, is really revealing his burden for the nation of Israel as a whole. And so this is one of the passages in the Bible that's, that's quite honestly misunderstood, misapplied in our culture of Christianity. Many people take what's said here and twist it and turn it and make it, try to make it say something that it doesn't say. We believe in a literal uh, view of Scripture. In other words, God says what he means and he means what he says and we don't have to read anything in, into it. We just compare Scripture with Scripture to really understand what it is that God is saying. And so with that preface, I want to start in verse 6. We'll get down to maybe verse 10 uh, this morning um, and then we'll stop. Uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse 6. Paul goes on and he says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And, and we could go further this morning, but, but again, we really want to set the stage today so that next week we can get down to verse 16. This morning we're going to talk about God's election, God's calling and God's election as it relates to the nation of Israel. And, and as you approach this passage of Scripture, God very clearly is dealing continually through chapters 9, 10, and 11 with his people, the nation of Israel, 
as a whole, as a collection of people, okay? And so this morning, we're going to study Abraham's seed, his lineage, his children. And we're going to see God's word as it, as it differentiates the children of the flesh versus the children of promise. The children of the flesh versus the children of promise. And, and so this morning, we're going we're gonna to hit a Bible drill. You guys okay with that? You remember the old school Bible drill? Turn to your Bible here. Turn to your Bible here. Okay. Okay, I do have a lot of the verses on the screen this morning, but we want to we wanna go back to the book of Genesis. So if you did what I told you and got Genesis 12 in your left hand, go ahead and flip back there. God is, is, is talking about in Romans chapter 9 that not everyone that is an Israelite is of Israel. And that sounds kind of weird when you read that. Let me just say this, that Israel is a nation, but Israel is also a person. And his name is Jacob. You guys remember Jacob? Who God changed his name to, to Israel. And so... And so the point is that God has a covenant with his people that translates through a seed of generations that we're going to study. And so I'm going to be honest with you, this morning is kind of technical, uh, but it sets us up for next week. God also, in, in Romans chapter 9 and verse 7, talks about the seed of Abraham. And so he talks about those that are of Israel and those that are of the seed of Abraham. And then he takes verses 9 all the way down to verse 16, and he explains those two lineages, those two seeds, and, and who really are God's chosen people through those lineages. Okay, that's the point. And so, and so we're, this morning, we're just going to hit some historical stuff on Abraham, and I'll make it practical as we go, but, but this really sets us up for next week. And so the first thing I want to share with you, number one, is Abraham's call. Abraham's call. And we see that in Genesis chapter 12, Verses 1 and 2. By the way, if you're reading through the 52 weeks of pursuit, you probably just covered this material in the last several weeks. You've gone through Genesis. You've hit all these high points. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, not Abraham, Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great, a great what? And I want you to just pay attention to what God said there. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Is that singular or plural? That's one. It's singular. Okay, hang on to that. And you have a key kind of a key note, I think, in your in your in your uh, in your notes there. God said to Abram, "I will make thee a great nation, a singular nation, a great nation." And then God says, "I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing." In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4, it says that when Abraham got that promise, when God called Abraham and gave him that promise, he was 75 years old. And so in your blank, I kind of put a number there. That's not a reference to a verse. That's the age of Abraham in these different moments in which God spoke to him. Does that, does that make sense in your notes? And so that's why it's important you have notes today. Amen. And so Abraham is 75 years old, and God calls him and says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, he says, Unto your seed, I'm going to give a land. And, and then in Genesis chapter 13, he even says that your seed is going to be numbered as the dust of the earth. And so God is making this call, this, this covenant, this promise with Abraham. Man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And through your seed, I'm going to do a tremendous work. I'm going to make a 
great nation from you. Does that make sense? That's Abraham's call. Well, if you skip forward in the book of Genesis to Genesis chapter 15, Abraham gets concerned. And the reason he gets concerned is because it's been a few years and, and he hasn't had any children. God has made a promise. God's made a covenant with him. God's called him. But there's a season where God just really doesn't do anything. I think you just heard that from Brandon's testimony this morning. Man, God's called me. God, God's called me to this thing, and here I am four, five, six years in, and I don't really see a whole lot happening. And God does that in our life too. He did it in Moses' life. We see that on Wednesday night. Abraham begins to get concerned. Genesis 15 and verse 1 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, excuse me, Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. And don't we fear generally when things don't work out in our timing? <laughs> okay, Abram's just like you, just like me. And God had to remind him, look, I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham, Abram said, Lord God, what would thou give me seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham, excuse me, Abram said, behold, uh, to me thou hast given no seed. I, God, you promised you were going to give me seed. You were going to give me children and lineage. And that seed was going to be a great nation. Well, here we are three chapters later, and that ha happened. Hey, God, where are you at? And, and I, just practical point, sometimes there's a, a gap of time between God's promises and God's fulfillment. And, and the reality is that happens in your life and in my life. Man, God has promises that we can put our faith and trust in. We can believe God. But listen, when that comes to fulfillment, that may be later. It may be a season of time and preparation before that becomes a reality. In the same chapter in Genesis 15, if you skip down to verse 5. So the Lord answers Abram's concern. And he says, hey, uh, previously you looked to the earth and, and I told you to number the dust. And you, you can't number it. Now, Abram, I want you to look up to heaven and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said, so shall thy seed be. So that's another affirmation of the promise that God's already given him. And there's some cool things that we could talk about, the difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. One of those is dust on the earth. One of those is stars in heaven. And, and there is a difference, and, and that's not for this morning, but students of the Bible will understand what I just said. Look at verse 6. And Abram believed in the Lord, and, it, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So when he was concerned, he asked the Lord, and the Lord gave him assurance. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Just trust me. And the Bible says that Abram believed God. I mean, he believed in the Lord, and God counted that to him for righteousness. Later in the same chapter, God says to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs. And he's prophesying what's going to happen in Egypt and, and, and later in the chapter, verses 18 to 21, God said, I'm making a covenant with you, Abram, unto your seed have I given this land. And so God's just reaffirming this call and this covenant. Well, so then there's a little bit more time passed. How old was Abram when he got the initial call from God? 75 years. Old man. Older man, excuse me. I guess 75 in, in the Old Testament wasn't old, but... He's an older man, so much so that he's concerned. Hey, I don't have any seed. When are we going to get this thing going? Then look at Genesis 16. 
we see that Abram, even though he had a call of God on his life, and even though God gave him assurance, I've got this under control, we're going to see that Abram compromised. We're going to see that Abram compromised. And listen, don't we do that, church? Listen, don't we, as the saints of God, with the promises of God in his word, don't we believe God for what he says? But we get so impatient that many times we compromise on what God wants for our life. Uh, okay, maybe you don't do that. Turn your halo down. But listen, Abram did. In Genesis 16, verse 1, it says this, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Uh, that's not entirely a true statement. What, should have, what she should have said is, He's restrained me from bearing right now. But God's made a promise, and listen, at some point, I'm going to bear your son. I mean, she kind of got caught up in the half-truth. God has, has, and she even blames God, right? God has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram, listen, hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Despite God's promise to Abram, despite God's assurance in Genesis chapter 15, Abram and Sarah got impatient and his wife came up with a seemingly good strategy to help God out. You ever done that? <laughs> you ever tried to help God out? Hey God, I know this is what you called me to do, but uh, it ain't really happening fast enough for me, so let me, let me inject what I want to do into this just to make this thing speed up a little bit. And that's what happened. Abram compromised. Instead of believing in the promises of God and trusting in the timing of God, Abraham and Sarah act out in their flesh. And the Bible says that Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah instead of hearkening to the voice of the Lord. That ought to sound really familiar in this passage. Because back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, there was another man and a wife that had some tremendous promises of God, had a tremendous calling of God on their life. Actually, God had said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth with sons of God. And you know the story in Genesis chapter 3, man. Adam and Eve, instead of trusting in God's word and God's covenant and God's promises, they got impatient and they got tempted and they lost focus. And in Genesis 3 and verse 17... The Bible says, and unto Adam, he said, and this is after Adam and Eve sinned, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Church, listen, we have to make sure that, that what we're hearkening to is God's word and not any other word. And this is not, listen, I'm not trying to be ugly this morning. Look, this is not, hey, you shouldn't listen to your wife. Okay, that's not the point at all. Every one of the, every one of the guys is like, man, that's right, about time. Preach it, brother. Okay, no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying God's word ought to be, God's word ought to be authoritative. And, and what we hearken to ought to be the promises of God because he is the one that's omniscient. He knows everything. 
And he's outside of time. He's omnipresent. And, and listen, he, he absolutely sees the end from the beginning. He knows absolutely. And so the Bible says in Genesis 16, 16, listen, Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. How old was he when he got the promise of God? How old is he now when he's acting out in his flesh? How many years have passed since God's call and God's promise? Eleven years. So why are you in a hurry? I mean, listen. Is it not even more glorious to God the older Abraham and Sarah get for God to get the glory when they have a child, a miraculous child at their old age because her womb had been shut <laughs> and because they're old, older in age. And, and, and listen, doesn't God get more glory out of that than us working it out in our flesh? And the answer is yes. The issue is not us trying to make it happen. The issue is who gets the glory. And God has to get the glory. Okay, so you know the story and we'll get into more of it in just a second, but, but so Hagar bears a son, and his name is Ishmael, who is Abraham's son, but this is not what God intended for Abram. And so now more time has passed, and, and, and if you pick it up in Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 4, the Bible says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now wait a second. In Genesis chapter 12, God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. See, God's plan all along was, was one nation, given through the child of promise, the seed of promise. But because Abram and Sarah acted out in the flesh instead of, instead of the faith that they should have had in God's word, listen, it caused a ripple effect. It caused some repercussions now in his life and calling and ministry. By the way, how old was he when Isaac now is confirmed by God? This child of promise is confirmed by God when Abram is how old? How many years have passed from Hagar and, and, the, and the exercising of his flesh to bring about God's promises and now the promise again of Isaac and his son. How many years have passed? Thirteen years. And, and, and listen, God doesn't tell us if he would have came to Abram and Sarah any earlier, but there's always a consequence of sin. There's always a consequence of sin in our life. Thirteen in your Bible, by the way, is the number of rebellion in the Bible. You get that out of Genesis chapter 14 and verse 4, the very first mention of the number 13 are some different kings, Gentile kings, that are serving this other king. The Bible says that they served for 12 years, and in the 13th year, they 
rebelled. God has something about 13 and its association with rebellion all through the scripture. In 1 Kings chapter 7, the Bible talking about Solomon, who by the way is a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ during the millennial reign. Because during Solomon's reign, there was peace. There was no war. And when Jesus Christ sits on the throne in the millennium, there will be peace on this earth. There won't be any war. He'll rule with a rod of iron. However, Solomon, if you know the story of Solomon, not only is a great picture of Christ, but he's a great picture of the Antichrist. He is the one character that actually typifies both Christ and Antichrist because he let his heart get pulled away from God. Strange women, strange experiences, strange things. He forsook the God of his father David. And he becomes, in, in essence, a great picture in the Old Testament of the Antichrist. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1 that Solomon was building his own house. How many years? 13 years. And actually that comes right off the heels of 1 Kings chapter 6 where it tells you that, God, that, that, that Solomon spent seven years building the house of God. So you mean to tell me he spent seven years. By the way, seven in the Bible is the number of completion. Solomon spent seven years building God's house. But how many did he spend building his own house? Thirteen. Does, does that not seem a little backwards? Hmm. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 25, the Bible says of Ishmael, that Ishmael, his son, was thirteen years old, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And the point is that God gave the covenant as a, of, of circumcision as a token, as, a, as a, a, a physical manifestation of the token of his covenant. And it is interesting that Ishmael at 13 needed to be redeemed, if you will, for the sake of our company. He needed a cutting away of the flesh because it's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of sin. It's a picture of our lost nature that needs to be redeemed and atoned for in Jesus Christ. And so Isaac is confirmed. God at 99 comes back to Abram. By the way, it shows an awesome picture of God's grace. Because even when you mess up, God wants to still accomplish his plan. But it doesn't mean that you won't experience the consequence of walking in the flesh. For 13 years, ultimately... Abram's looking at this son, Ishmael, and he had a heart for Ishmael, and he loved Ishmael. But God, God's not going to bless the work of the flesh. God's only, only, only going to bless the work of promise, the work of his spirit. And so, and so what we see in Genesis chapter 17, and I think I, I put it on the, uh, on the screen. Do I have Genesis 17 verse 15 by any chance? Yeah. And so this is where Isaac is confirmed. Isaac is confirmed. And, and in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 15, the, God said unto Abraham, and by the way, his name's changed now. You see that? God said to Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarah, but, or Sarai, but, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. And there it is. God had shut her womb up until his timing. And I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of Again, God's original plan was a nation. 
You trust me until this child of promise comes. I see you didn't want to wait for that, so now we have a problem. But God in his providence and sovereignty is not going to let your free will mess up his plan. God's still going to accomplish his plan. And, and so God's reminding Sarah and Abraham, this is what I'm going to do. Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that's 100 years old? The short answer is yes. And Sarah that's 90 years old, bare, and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Do you see Abraham's struggle? Just let Ishmael be the guy that you bless. But God says, that ain't the way it works. <laughs> that's the work of your flesh. My spirit has a work to do that's not been accomplished yet. And so God said, in verse 19, God said to Sarah, Thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Do you see how God is dealing with nations in Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15, 16? Do you see how God is dealing with nations? Not individuals. He's dealing with a lineage, a seed, nations. He says, look, I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation. Verse 21 is the key. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And I'm telling you, God just penciled it in on the calendar. Here's when it's going to happen. So, so here's why this is important as our study in, in Romans chapter 9 begins to unfold. God says... Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, and the context is of God, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Abram had more children than just Isaac, one of which was Ishmael, the work of his flesh. God says, I don't count that birth. I don't count that as, as my seed of promise. It is the manifestation of our flesh, which is never acceptable in God's eyes. And so listen, God's covenant was not with the children of the flesh, but with the children of promise. The next blank is this. We see Isaac conceived, and we'll go quick. We're done on time. But listen, let me just give you the blanks. Isaac conceived in Genesis 21. God said, look, it's going to happen at this set time next year. You know, if you've had kids, they kind of, you know, when you, when you get pregnant or whatnot, they, they tell you uh, an estimated time of delivery, right? Yeah, you're going to be kind of hitting it whenever, end of April, how many days? I don't know, you know, some, some of you get it down to the day. This is what they said, the exact day. Okay, what God said, this exact set time is when it's going to happen. And God keeps his word. Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah, listen, as he had said. As he had said. I just want you to know that God keeps his promises. Your timing may not be God's timing. Deal with it. You're not God. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. He keeps his promise. Why are you so impatient? <laughs> why am I so impatient? And why do we act out in the flesh instead of acting in faith and just trusting God? He's going to do what he said he's going to do. 
And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time in which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of that son that was born to him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. God keeps his word. Uh, just a key note in your blank there. Look, faith and God's promises always brings about fruit. The Bible tells us in Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11 that Sarah had faith. She finally had faith in what God said. She quit laughing at God and mocking God and actually just believed what God said. Hebrews 11, verse 11, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the the word of God. She just finally settled the issue and believed God. And oh, by the way, when she did, she received strength to, to fulfill what God had already called her to do. So how old is Abram now? Abram now. He's 100 years old. That makes some of us older geezers that started a little late feel a little better. <laughs> At least I wasn't 100. <laughs> All right. That's really for me and Cody. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> the rest of y'all forget it. All right. So he conceived, they, they, she conceived, Abram's 100, she's 90. Uh, and so listen, here's what happened. The, the child of promise comes. This is the lineage through which God is going to use and, and bless and, and count his seed. Now here's the, the most important part. Ishmael and his seed are cast out. Ishmael, Ishmael and his seed are cast out. And we get that out of Genesis chapter 21 and verse 9. And, and, and without reading the verse, uh, just you need to know that Ishmael mocked Isaac he was against Isaac. He was against the child of promise. And Sarah said, I ain't having none of this in my house. Get that woman and her kid up out of here. Cast this bondwoman out and her son. And Abram, Abraham was kind of caught in the middle. He was like, man, I love, I love Ishmael. And God had to come to him and say, you know what? You need, to, you need to do what she said. Because my promise is through who? It's through Isaac. It's through Isaac, not through Ishmael. I'm going to make him a nation. I'm going to do all these different things. But the promise, the promise has to do with the work of my spirit, not of your flesh. So, so then ultimately what we see is Isaac and his seed are counted. Isaac and his seed are counted. And I know I've covered a lot of material in 30 minutes. But when you get to Genesis chapter 22, one of the greatest stories in the Old Testament one of the greatest pictures of Christ's sacrifice for us in Genesis 22. God calls Abram up to the mountain. God tests his faith. He says, I want you to take your son. And look at what God says in Genesis 22. Take thy son, thine, thine only son, Isaac. Well, listen, that wasn't Abram's, Abraham's only son, was it? He had a son named Ishmael. But it was a work of the flesh. And God didn't count that. And God didn't count the nation that resulted from that. God counted Isaac and his seed. And God says of Isaac, Abraham, he's your son, he's your only son. You see it in Genesis 12 and verse 12. Excuse me, Genesis 22 and verse 12. Thine only son. You didn't withhold him from me. Genesis 22 and verse 16, thine only son. And, and I don't think this is in your notes, but it is important. God only counts what's done in faith. God only counts what, what is done in faith. And faith is not just believing something random that God's going to do. Faith is believing that God's going to do what he said 
do you understand that in God's economy, the things that we do in the flesh don't count? Do you realize that the judgment seat of Christ, whatever you quote-unquote did for Jesus, ain't going to really count? But what the Spirit of God did through you is really what's going to matter at the judgment seat of Christ where you give an account of your life and your service and your ministry? Do you see how God only counts what's done by faith? That's what happens in, 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 in Isaac's life and in, in Abram's life. Listen, he, he finally just counts what mattered when, he, when Abraham believed God and trusted in him. Now, later in Genesis 23, we find that Sarah dies. And in Genesis chapter 25, we find that Abraham takes another wife. And of that wife, he also has more children. And they're also listed in Genesis chapter 25. And I'm not going to read them for time's sake. But the point is, not all the children of the flesh are counted as the seed. Only one, only one seed. It's the lineage from Abraham to Isaac. Does that make sense? So, so here's where we need to stop this morning because it sets us up really good for next week. Here's the key you need to get. In Abraham's seed, we see that God is dealing with a nation. Do you see that? The whole point of Romans chapter 9 is that God is dealing with a nation among many nations. Well, who are the other nations? Well, one would be the nation that ultimately resulted from Ishmael, right? One would be the, the nations that resulted from Abraham's children in Genesis chapter 25. There's a multitude of nations, but there's only one through which God has said, I'm going to work through this seed. God is dealing with a nation among many nations that ultimately will become the nation of Israel. And then lastly, look, in Abraham's seed, what God is also doing, and this is free, but it's probably the most important part today, God's prophesying the coming of Christ. Do you know that through the seed of Abraham, ultimately is where Christ came from? Not the seed of Ishmael. Not, this, not, the, not the working of the flesh that resulted in the coming of Jesus Christ, but the working of the child of promise ultimately is what brought about Jesus Christ. In, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not... And to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. I mean, ultimately, that seed of promise given through Abraham, through Isaac, as we'll see next week, through Jacob, was the seed that ultimately brought us Jesus Christ. It was one nation that God chose to do that. And so we, we hit all the background this morning and you're welcome for the Old Testament survey, at least through the book of Genesis. Now you don't have to do all that homework. But you need to see how God was working through Abraham and through the child of promise, Isaac. Not as individual, mm, I'm going to pick him, but not pick him. No, God is working through a nation. And ultimately, we'll see that nation come to fruition in Jacob and his children. All right? And so, uh, Tuck that away. Again, Bible study this morning. Next week, we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit better. Thank you for being here. Let me pray for us. And as we pray, I think we need to pray for Morocco.